Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Well, hello uh, and welcome. I'd like to welcome uh, Darika to the Autism in Real Life podcast. And she is uh, atypical or at atypical teacher underscore teacher at uh, in, in on Instagram. So um, welcome. And I wanted to start by saying that you know, I really find your Instagram very inspirational. Um, And, you know, it was sort of like an accident, my stumbling on your feed. And I just found uh, myself really resonating with a lot of what you were saying and a lot of the tools you were using. And I'm like, who is this person? I, I need to know who this is. So, you know, I, I made it a point to reach out to you. And then we connected a little bit more. And I was like, no, I think I need to have this person on my podcast. So um, so here we are. I'm very happy that yeah, you're you're here with me this this uh, this time. Thank you so much. Um, I think the respect is mutual. When I saw some of your posts, I just felt like it was such a positive place to be. And all your messages on Instagram are so positive. So when you reached out, it was really organic that we meet because mine is pretty similar and we both advocate for people with disabilities. So I thought it would be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, for our audience, um, could you give them a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so um, I kind of stumbled into special education about a decade ago. Um, I started casual teaching in a school and they put me in um, emotional disturbance behavioral class and um, showed me the board which had a big indent in it. And then they said, oh, that was somebody's head. And I was like, whoa, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Um, And I have not turned back since. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) Yep. So I think it's um, something that you really need to resonate with. There's a lot of people have different ideas about what special education's about. And my own has changed over the time that I've been working with different individuals, different disabilities. Um, So right now, I'm a head teacher of a high school for boys. um, And I get to think about my own philosophies of special education. Right. So yeah, um, it's kind of exciting times right now. Yeah, so so tell me, give me one example uh, how your perspective on special education has changed from when you first started because it's it's a decades a long time. Yeah, um, I think when I first started, you're kind of thinking that everybody is the same, and when you learn about special education, when you learn about people with autism, for example. Um, they, oh, these are the traits, you know, but it's not true. Every individual person is so different, no matter what badge they come under. Um, and the badges don't matter anyway, because that's more for funding and things like that in Australia. Um, because each person is so different and you deal with them in such a different way, just like you would anybody else. Right. 
Right. No, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, when you go to school for this, right, like you can read whatever they have in the textbook. I think uh, I may have mentioned in the past at some point that in the textbook that I had, autism was maybe half of a column in a textbook. Um, <laughs> and, you know, here I am, it is uh, life work now, right? So it's a completely, um, when you really get immersed in it, and not only that, you you know, start working with students, you realize that each one has their own unique way and their own uh, learning style. And so you, right, you have to kind of adjust for each, each learner. Yes. And I think a lot of autism, you can't learn from a book anyway. Um, when I started at the school I'm currently at, um, they showed me a picture of the boys and said, these are going to be your kids in the classroom. And I looked at this picture and every kid's um, a personality just shone through because there is no fakeness in it all. So I kind of planned my class according to what I saw in that picture, <laughs> um, which is bizarre, but I always go by feel. Um, so I set it up and I thought, okay, let's see how this goes. Day one, I might be changing it. Period one, I might be changing it. <laughs> um, you know, who knows? Um, and when we started, that's exactly what happened. So in terms of the classroom, for example, that's definitely one of my strategies, setting up the classroom to be minimal um you know desks with spaces apart so people don't feel like they're on top of each other um and just declutter in general right so they all came in and um some of them proved my instinct to be right and some of them <laughs> uh very very much wrong right um and then you adjust and move on yeah, so you, I, I hear you gave me a strategy already because I always ask strategies, obviously. Um, but uh, minimizing the classroom, and I think one of the things I'm usually struck by when I teach educators, I always have, usually their classes are around 30, and there's always oh, maybe, you know, at least 10 <laughs> who are saying, oh, wow, I think my classroom has too much stuff in it. <laughs> I think it's too colorful, you know, because I think we're trained, right, early on to have, especially if you're doing elementary school, right, it's um, those early grades. It's, oh, make it really colorful, come up with a theme. I mean, in the school I taught, it was like, well, what are you going to do for your theme, you know, next school year? And people were thinking about it and it felt almost competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I really like to start with a fresh space. I want everything to look neat and clean and books in their spaces and little caddies for their pens and things on their desks. Um, you know, boxes with their names on it for their books. So there's no clutter at all. Um, and then as we go through the year, I like to add their artworks to the room, their projects to the room, and then they feel like this sense of belonging in the space. Um, I always say that we end up being like a micro family in that classroom because we're together so often that you kind of um, have bad days and good days, and we all do, uh, and you just get over it and move on. Right. That's really true. I think, uh, and each classroom that I've ever had or ever worked in has a distinct, like, personality, even as a collective. Like this, like, I really like that micro family, like you're talking about. It, it does feel like that. And each one has its own flavor, so to speak. Yes, exactly. I just, I don't think you can go into a classroom with, these are my set strategies and I just want everybody to stick by the rules. Right. <laughs> um, because I'm probably the worst one. I love breaking rules. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we would be really good co-teachers together. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, some days the boys walk in there and they're like, oh, we're meant to do English and, you know, we're learning Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever it is that I pick for them to do. And then I'm like, mm, no, 
let's do something different. (laughs) Yeah, I think you really have to have this sense of flexibility and uh, a fluidity, right? Working in special education. Yes. And the the boys do like um, things to be predictable. Mm -hmm. But that's all fine and good if most of it is predictable and they trust you that's where you can start being a little bit more flexible and teaching them that you need to be flexible. Right, right. And you hit a really great point there is to have them trust you. And I think that's another big point I try to hone in on um, when working with other teachers is our, you know, our kids really need to know that you care about them. Like they need to know that you um, really give a crap for lack of a better way of saying that, because it's almost like they can see through that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And especially with the relationship you end up having with both the boys and their families, Mm -hmm. um, you've got a whole high school relationship with them. So from year seven to 12, you have those boys and the responsibility of those boys, um, or that's how I see it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And then their families are extensions of those. So in the past, for example, um, when I started at this school, I had this boy whose mom thought that he was being discriminated against. She would sit in the front office and uh, monitor what was going on with him the whole day. Mm. Um, And that shows me a huge distrust in the system and in the school at that point. So for me, the first thing was to build trust with her son and to get him to learn that I will do what I say I'm going to do. Right. And that's another thing. If you can't do it, don't say it. (laughs) So um, he eventually trusted me so much that when he was set off in the classroom, I would stand in between him and the other boy, which I do not recommend because my (laughs) husband thinks I'm crazy when I do this. Um, And I'd say, I got this, trust me. And he'd go, yeah, you do. And he'd walk back to his desk. Um, (laughs) Now, to me, that was amazing in the classroom. But his mom came back and she's kind of higher up in the Department of Education here in in New South Wales. Um, And she said to me, it's actually changed the way my family's run. Hmm. And I was like, okay, how does that work? And she says to me, now instead of having conversations about what he can do at school, how he can make it better, how he can cope, they're actually having regular conversations um, like any other family. Like, how was your day? This is how it went. She doesn't have to help him get through the day. Mm. And that was huge. Right. So, I mean, so that's that's something that when I work with families, I really like to emphasize. We talk about, right, like there is definitely a place and being a mom of someone on spectrum. I know there's a, there's always been that place where it's like I'm still a coach. I'm still a teacher. I'm still, you know, trying to navigate and help teach skills and all that. But sometimes I really just wanted to be a parent. <laughs> right? And and have like normal conversations at dinner, just like that. And it can blur, especially I think if you're an educator, right? And and a parent, you kind of, sometimes those lines get a little blurred, but I think it's, it's great that they were able to be able to just step back and be a family, right? Like I, I know for, I think for other people, they don't always understand that. Yeah. I think, and I don't know whether I normally take that amazingly positive feedback so well. Mm -hmm. Um, So the mom sent me an email and I read it and I went, oh man, yeah, but there's so much more work I have to do. (laughs) And um, my husband read it and he said, can you just stop for a second? She's taken all this time to write you something so hard 
take it on board. And um, yeah, I really had to learn how to do that because mm-hmm. um, my personality is always like, okay, I still have so much more to do. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, your really good teachers do think that way. There's always, whether it's with students or with their classroom or with a school or whatever, the, it's, it's always uh, an ongoing, I think I would consider it like a process improvement, right? And I think it's great that she took that moment to kind, and, and that your husband said, hey, wait, let's take this moment to enjoy the pause here, right? And say, wait, yeah. this is this is meaningful, right? And you're making a meaningful impact on this family. And I think we can tend to get caught up in, okay, so now what? <laughs> what, yes. what are we going to do now? What's next? Yes. Um, so that's really beautiful. And you know, Even I've... during like COVID, um, so we were closed for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're back, obviously. Now all the boys are back. Um, so it's a bit strange to be around people because <laughs> you never know what you pick up from the school and then you pass on to your family or friends. Sure. But um, during that six weeks, we organized Google Classrooms for the boys with a timetable um, set up very much like school was, four periods, this is what you're going to do. You're going to start with a physical activity. Um, This is your English work for today. Give them feedback, do interactive documents with them, do Zoom with them, but just like for them to have a chat and interact with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I do phone calls home to see how the boys were going and to see how the parents were going as well. Right. Because it's so stressful for them. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot to take on for families, definitely. Yeah, and even on Instagram and things like that, you know, you the people have written their stories and <clears throat> it's so sad to hear some of them, but there's no respite for anybody. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. And so... And I just wanted them to know, like, we're with you. Um, you're not alone. Right. But, you know, if you need help, let us know. We'll do anything we can to help. Right. I mean, I know here, right, we have um, schools here have just finished in June. So I would say this last, probably the last week or two kind of closed up. And we really, most schools have been closed for three months, right? So it's like 12, 12 to 16 weeks, depending on the school. So you know, all that education is being done remotely. And, you know, there was a quick learning curve for a lot of teachers, still probably a learning curve. Uh, and, and you know, here in the States, we don't know what um, the fall is going to bring for us. So we we're still kind of seeing that. But I think, you know, that that concept of thinking about going back and it's going to be strange. I think it's going to feel weird. (laughs) You know, I don't know if we're going to be wearing masks or, um, you know, there, there's talk of limiting class sizes and, you know, so, so it calls into a lot of, uh, there's a lot of questions and I know a lot of people want answers, uh, but it's not, it's, and I understand that it's not that easy, but, um, it sounds like your, you know, your students are kind of easing back in and feeling more comfortable, do you say? Yeah, they needed to get back to school (laughs) Um, from the parent point of view and from the kids' point of view. I think most people would Um, agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's this meme that I saw on um, some social media um, and the mom drives up to the school throws the kids out, throws the bags <laughs> and drives off. And I thought, wow, this is yeah. exactly what it's going to be like the first day back. I think there will be a renewed sense of appreciation for teachers uh, now that uh, parents have had to be home and also try to do their work or their, you know, what whatever whatever it is, everything just sort of converged together 
and became really overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, my sister-in-law has three kids in school and she texts me going, I don't know how the hell you do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like happy to do it pay me more (laughs) yes that could be a whole nother podcast topic right (laughs) that's right well I think in Australia we're better off than you guys (laughs) for I think Um, I have some friends who um live in Texas Uh uh-huh okay and um they were telling me about, you know, teachers having to get another job to be able to maintain themselves and how low the wages are for you guys and things like that. That's a whole craziness that I just don't understand. Yeah. And, and I think here there is a big disparity depending on state you're on, which state you're in and also what down to what town you're in. And sometimes even within the same, let's say county or town. And again, each state organizes themselves a little bit differently, but even if you have, like I was in one district in New York that, um, you know, there was, uh, five elementary schools and even from elementary school to elementary school, <laughs> there is a disparity. So it really kind of now everyone would get paid, let's say, the same thing um, theoretically. But sometimes one school would have more opportunity for extracurricular activities, and another one would have less, right? And then so it it would get um, get a little bit messy for sure. Uh, so I think it is it is varied, and it would be nice to kind of maybe have some of some equanimity among among the schools at least yeah. from state to state right well but, you guys are the most valued people in any any country <laughs> well i would i would say educate i agree with you with educators yes um but you know it's uh we're still i think we're still working on that but like i said maybe this experience will give people a uh, a different perspective and you know i also think and when you think about how uh, closely you were saying like this micro family and you create a micro family for your students, but there are many educators where students, especially those who have special needs, maybe don't feel comfortable, right? Like it's a place that's not safe. And I mean, I think we can all think back to one teacher that we particularly did not like or treated us particularly unfairly and we're, we could probably still hold on to that. I know I can anyway. <laughs> Recall that mom- <laughs> a moment that I was like, I can't believe that teacher said that or did that to me. Yeah. Um, and so we can also see how valuable, you know, uh, the connection is between a teacher and a student, right, in both positive and negative ways. Yeah. I think in, so my philosophy on special education and the way we run it in my school is definitely to build those relationships with kids, um, make sure that their environment is safe and predictable, and then slowly start to change things a little bit in terms of flexibility and helping them with, you know, situations that come out of the blue which might mean their teacher's away and they have a substitute teacher who takes that. Um, because in the later years, so year 10, 11, and 12, I actually take all the kids out for work experience. That's great. So it's a program that wasn't at our school before, which I implemented when I started. And it was really hard to get people to come on board. So we pretty much went into a shopping center and cold called every shop in that center to say, look, this is who we are. We're local. Can you help us out? The boys need to do work experience for three hours once a fortnight or four hours once a fortnight. And this is what you're going to get out of it. And the thing that, that they were going to get out of it was that the community would know that you're doing something good for our school and our boys. And so that started a few years ago and that program is really amazing. 
because the kids leave high school with already having some kind of experience in the workforce. And as we know, workforces are so unpredictable. So if I gave my boys a predictable classroom from year seven to 12, I'm not helping them. <laughs> you know, um, so in the workplace, for example, they have members of the public coming up to them saying, you know, where is this or where's that? And we give them lines to say, and they have to deal with that unpredictableness of um, the working world. Um, and I must say, by year 12, these boys are doing so well. It's amazing. They're such an inspiration. Yeah, I mean, I think work experience... Uh, it's funny because a lot of times here in the schools that I've worked in, it's not a requirement, right? There, there might be an internship or there might be um, now volunteer work has been something that's been implemented in many districts across the country. You have to do so many volunteer hours before you graduate, which I think is great because it's a similar type of thing and it can be so helpful. But you know, again, having this work experience before you leave while you still have that support network at school yes. is super important yeah. and invaluable, I think. And it helps to build that experience that they're going to need so that they can apply <laughs> for other jobs. Yeah. yeah. And I like how well, you're saying, the thing the, is, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Um, it's not something that's run up amongst most schools in special education. It's something that I've implemented here and my principal's given me the resources to be able to do it because he such, sees such value in it himself. Um, so what's happened in New South Wales, for example, is that there's a thing called the sorry, National Disability Insurance Scheme, NDIS for short. And since NDIS has come in, they give you this bunch of funding for post-school options for two years, and you go out and find providers who can help you with work experience, help you with various life skills. So now it's become so difficult for people to take us on because they've just monetized it. And so people now want to get paid for having us out for work experience. Um, there's two big companies who we're working with at the moment, which is Coles and Woolworths in mm -hmm. Australia. And those local companies have helped us out and, you know, they give our boys work even after school, paid employment and things like that without asking for us to pay them. So even something like that's meant to help um, just takes away some of our opportunities when we're in high school. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know um, we have similar programs here and I think a lot of people aren't aware that they exist even, you know, regardless. I know some organizations that are private, you know, do pay uh, employers to help, you know, with training and to help with creating that work environment. Uh, some don't. It just really depends on who's running it, if it's more uh, a government-run uh, government-run operation than it is uh, where the or the organization is volunteering, and of course they see the mutual benefit. But it, again, it's it, it, there's no one fine path, right? It's not like everyone follows this path, and this is how we can get work experience. And so it is a challenging thing. And I know so with the students that you're working with, you're in the the high school. Uh, time period, how how would you say the education is different with, um, you know, your students that you have now and let's say the general education population? Um, our boys definitely have more focus on life skills. So whereas most boys are preparing for their year 12 HSC 
to move on to university, to move on to TAFE, whatever the options are for them. Um, my boys, from the time they're in year seven, were focused on life skills um, for them to have independence after year 12. So a lot of it is, you know, okay, food technology, learning how to cook a breakfast, lunch and dinner for yourself independently by the time you leave us. Um, then we've got PDHP, for example, which is very much health and nutrition based. So again, how do I take care of myself when I'm by myself kind of thing? Um, budgeting skills in mathematics, time, money, all those kind of things that we, you know, as an educator, you have to repeat every year so that they, the boys keep the knowledge when they leave us. Um, English is a little bit different. I try and pick things that they're going to be so excited about doing, um, which kind of annoys everybody else because we'll start a book, for example, or a novel or whatever it is, and the boys will be talking about it outside of class. And that's when you know you're winning, by the right, way. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> and um, so, you know, just making sure that we've got a really nice balance of things that are going to make them happy and feel included. But at the same time, when they leave us, they're going to be able to be part of a community. Yeah, I, you know, and the things you just mentioned, it's really funny. I was having a a similar conversation with a family member the other day. And we were talking that, you know, those are skills that all students need to have when they, when they yeah. graduate, right? But yeah. regardless of what they choose to do post high school. And we used to have, I know in my schooling, there was part of our curriculum for all students was what we called home economics and they changed it to home and careers. They, you know, they kept changing the name, yeah. but essentially it was sewing and cooking and budgeting and how to go grocery shopping and how to fix basic things, wood shop, right? It included health. It included all of these, like you're saying, you know, regular day-to-day -day life skills and it's been taken away for almost all yeah. students, except for what we're calling here in the States, we call them, um, you know, students who are in the like the, the living the life skills type of programs. Yeah. And but I, I hear that. And, and while some students definitely might need more um you know, those steps broken down a little bit more to learn them. And like you're saying, repeated every year. Again, I would argue that a lot of students will need that stuff repeated over and over again. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm an adult and I still I'm like, wait, what is that? You know, and and, and so now we have the Internet. It's great. But but there's there's it's just super uh, crazy how we don't, you know, we kind of push that stuff aside for you know, the general education population because, oh, they, they'll figure that out or, you know, their parents will teach them or something. Uh, somehow they'll miraculously get this knowledge. Um, <laughs> but let's make sure they can do all the tests and all the standardized tests and all the state tests and, you know, whatever. That's Other a different podcast. Absolutely. But it's, it is crazy making because, you know, when I hear people say, well, we have, you know, this student in a life skills program, I'm like, you know, can we like change it something else? Because we all are need, need life skills, <laughs> you know, and I think it's great yeah. that, you know, incorporating that type of uh, being able to build independence and build independent living in addition to building some work experience. What a great model, right? Yeah, I think so. And it really has shown its success with the students from the past. I have a lot of boys coming back because they feel so much part of the community in our school that they come back every couple of months to say hello and how are you. And, um, you know, for, again, another stereotype, um, you know, people with autism don't like to show emotion, don't like hugging, don't like all those things. Um, <laughs> and they'll come up to me and I'm kind of little compared to them and like, get over here, pose, let me give you a hug, you know. Like. <laughs> 
Right. And that is a testament um, to, to doing something right also, right? In addition to talking about the assignment outside of class, it's also coming back and wanting to connect with you again. Yeah. And it's just so special. They're just amazing. You know, learning to be in a special education institute, like in schools, it, you know, it gives you this opportunity to learn so much about other people. And I think the thing I learned the most from my students is the ability to stand up for myself. Hmm. Um, because they're such good advocates of themselves. Right. And it's very inspiring. Oh, that's that's beautiful. I, I think I often think a lot of my um, students and people I work with, uh, resiliency is such a word is a word that I use often because um, you know there has been uh, there's been a lot of times where there's a failure and missteps and mistakes and you know learn again, pick back up and start again and keep going. And so um, I think it's a it's an amazing thing and I have learned as well that, Oh, you know, at first I think self-acceptance and I know a lot of your inspiration is about that as well as self-acceptance and then being able to advocate for your needs and who you are. Uh, I think that's an amazing thing. And I, I'm continually learning that definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think the older we get, the the opportunities to learn are in front of you, you know, and now we have Instagram and I put up a lot of positive messages about self-care and things like that because that's what resonates with me. That's what works for me. And really, a lot of my inspiration comes from the people I work with every day. Um, there's an art teacher who I work with, really amazing, can bring out the best in the boys. I, I mean, anybody who follows me has probably seen some of their art on my pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can do things I cannot do. <laughs> um, so I'm more of a student in that classroom than they are. And I'll show them my stuff and they'll be like, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe put a bit of color here or do this or do that. It never comes out as well as theirs does. <laughs> well, I like that they're learning also how to give feedback, right? <laughs> <laughs> great feedback. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. So- but that's, you know, that's the thing that they're learning to support each other. They're learning to support everybody around them as well. And they're so good at picking up little emotional things that are going on. So if you're in a classroom and you're stressed, one of the boys or two of the boys will definitely be like, Miss, are you okay? <laughs> and you're like, well, I must be a bit grumpy today. <laughs> yeah, they notice. They definitely notice. Yes. So, you know, I think um, you've seemed to have created an amazing space with your students. And uh, I think, you know, also implementing programs because you've been given the latitude and the support to do that within your school, which I know many of our educators fight for. (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of competing need. And and so I get that as well. Um, So I would say, what what would you think would be like the thing, the next thing, right? Because we were talking about like, we need to improve or we need to do things. But as a, as building your, you know, your classroom or your educational philosophy or style, what do you think would be the next thing? For me, it's all about inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, In the past, my boys would go out to mainstream classes and, you know, if they're sitting there, that's good enough. Well, it's actually not good enough. So the teacher in that classroom, whatever they pick, needs to differentiate for that child and make sure that they're included in everything, not just sitting in there. Right. Um, And that, excuse my language, really pisses me off when people do that because it's just so unfair. 
I mean, I don't know how you can have a kid sitting in a classroom not learning, but as long as they're quiet, it's okay. Right. Um, so definitely inclusion. I suppose that's why I like the work experience program as well. And that's inclusion in the community. I like them to be able to be prefects in our school and student representative council board members and all that kind of stuff. So I advocate and I am very passionate about making sure that they have those opportunities. And that's what I want. You give them the opportunity. You don't just discount them straight away. Right. And I think it really, you know, you really need to look at each, like you were saying before, look at each individual student and what what do they bring to the table and how can we leverage those strengths? I think it's, you know, it's really critical to have that view and not like you're saying, just discredit because they have a learning difference that maybe even, and I've been there as a teacher, you might not know what to do sometimes, but you know, it was my job to figure it out. <laughs> So that that student has access. Can help you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. There's so many resources, and I think the the what I love working with other teachers. One of the things I love the most is that I learn more techniques and I learn more you know skills. And I I know here it's very hard for teachers to spend time with other teachers to learn some of that stuff sometimes. Uh, because you end up just being in your classroom or maybe in your school. Um, and sometimes you get kind of stuck in your own school versus meeting a whole bunch of different teachers from all over and learning how they do things. Even here, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing how your school might operate. I might hear another school and say, wow, we do it a completely different way. And, yeah. uh, you know, let's let's learn from each other and let's figure out how to do that and how to make it work. And so I think it's really valuable to hear this is why, you know, why I wanted to have you on. And I plan on having more educators on from everywhere so that, you know, others can learn and say, oh, wow, I didn't know I could do that. Like, I didn't know, <laughs> right? Like, I think I could hear a teacher out there saying, I didn't think of starting with a blank classroom and let the kids <laughs> develop it, right? Like it's, yeah. oh, wow, what a great idea. Now, I'm sure there's some other people doing that, but I have not heard of that myself. So I was like, wow, that's a really great idea. I think I might coach that a little bit in the future. <laughs> um, well, you're welcome. Yes, thank you. But like, I think, you know, those types of things, no matter how simple, and I do, I actually have a, a good friend who created a school business partnership. She's a high school teacher, special education, and she it was it's not just for special ed students, but it's a program that collaborates the school with local businesses to be able to teach exactly what you're talking about, be mentors, introduce students to different career options and so on. Um, it seems like such a a ground ball thing to do. <laughs> but it really does. But it's hard. It took her so much work and it took her a long time to get it in place. But um, again, these are the types of things that we really need to keep thinking about to evolve education and really help our students build independence. Uh, yes. Look, I must say at the beginning, trying to convince my principal to give me two teachers and an SLSO, so that's a teacher's aide in Australia, mm -hmm. um, to be able to have release from class time for a whole day was huge. I bet, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> then he saw himself the differences that our reputation got in the community and just feedback from the parents and things like that. And I think it kind of solidified for him that this is something that we should be doing and it's the right thing to do. Right. Right. No, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think also you were saying about, um, you know, neurotypicals. Um, I have a 20 year old son who left school going to me, you know, why didn't they teach us how to budget? Why didn't they teach us how to do all these things? And some of the things that you're doing with your boys, 
And I said to them, well, this is life skills. This is what I need to give them. And he goes, well, a lot of us would have benefited from that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. And so, and I I think we, you know, I think we just take it for granted that that's stuff that students will learn. And even as parents, it's like, oh, wait, what do you mean you never learned how to cook? What? (laughs) You know, (laughs) you know, it's like, and it was like, it was funny. It was a conversation um, with my daughter and she's, she's an amazing baker. She makes amazing food and I've seen her cook. God, I love meal. eating. Yeah. And so she would do all these things. And then I said, she's like, you know what? I don't really know how to make like a meal. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You don't know how to make a meal. Like it was like perplexing. And then she's like, yeah, but think about it. I really haven't had to do it. And I was like, oh, I guess that's true. So, you know, now she's second year in college and she's, you know, she's figured out what works for her. Um, but again, something that we just took for granted that, well, what do you mean you didn't learn how to do that? <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't realize you're doing everything for <laughs> Right. Sometimes it's true. It's true. And it was, you know, she could make herself a little something, but not yeah. like, a, but a meal for, you know, people. It was not something that she had ever had to do. So it was really interesting. Mind you, she would have watched you do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And helped even. But I guess the the whole planning and thinking about it. Right. Like I never thought of that. Um, Yeah. But but yeah. So these are things we have to take into consideration. But but definitely life skills are not just for special education students. (laughs) I think um, more and more we're talking about inclusion as well. and especially in the environment that we're living in and what's coming up in the world, that um, inclusion now just means that we need to fight harder for our students, people with disabilities and all that kind of stuff to make sure that they're getting the same opportunities as everyone else. Right, right. Because as much as our you know neurotypical kids need those life skills, our boys, our people with disabilities and all that kind of stuff need the opportunity. Right. And, you know, this is what we're all fighting for. I'm so fierce with my school (laughs) that sometimes my principal sees me coming and is like, What is she going to ask me now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's usually like something like, you know what? I need more resources. Can I go out and buy these? And it's usually like, why do you tell me? Just give me the bill and I'll pay for it. Uh, It's great that you have that support there too because it can be really challenging to to get that support, you know, and to know – that it that it's you know coming from you, he's probably thinking, okay, this this I trust her. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's gonna go well, but it's hard to do that sometimes, you know, in um in some schools given uh, what their yeah. resource availability is too, and you know we have yeah, to get yeah. really creative sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I it's true, and we do you know like you said, the inclusion part of what you've created is the inclusion into the community, which is right where everyone's going to end up. So, so, um, really thinking about, and, and I really like what you're saying about the opportunity, other students, right. General ed students may get an easier shot at that opportunity than some of our kids with special needs. And so that can be really hard. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, the next thing I'm looking at doing is creating workshops for people to talk about, like especially big companies, to talk about that inclusion and to work out how they can ingrain inclusion into their companies from the bottom up, top down, human resources. It needs to change the way companies are looking about inclusion. And just dealing with each company on a very personal basis and working out strategies for them to be able to include people is going to be phenomenal because the 
for example, my boys start with work experience and I've really fought for those opportunities for them to get that work experience. Some of them have gotten jobs in the places where they've worked and now they're like such amazing committed workers Mm -hmm. and just that you know people don't get that when somebody is committed to something especially you know um people who haven't been given that opportunity before this is where we need to be at let's help them out they're going to be the best people in our company their dna is going to be all about our company (laughs) so this is an asset Right. And, and we can, we can build loyalty as an employer, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I yes. mean, originally I was in human resources. That's how I started my <laughs> my career, go. right? Not surprising. But um, but that was part of what I, you know, what I learned uh, was that there is a disparity in some of corporate America about, you know, what human resources means and how do we um, connect with employees and how do we build uh, loyalty and how do we build a continuing education and all those types of things with our, to keep our employees happy, right? And there's there's always this back and forth where employers are like, do I trust HR? Do I not? Like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> so, you know, we have to change the mindset there as well. And I think you're right. I think educating employers and starting with human resources and having them, you know, understand how important um, inclusion and diversity is in the workplace. And it starts, you know, it starts in education and then it continues into employment. It really, really does. And you just have people who look at problems in such a different way, even in, you know, just in my staff room, when there's a problem or something comes up or a mindset needs to be changed, we all think about it and go, well, this is my take on it. And then I'll go away with all those people in my head having given me their opinions and then come out going, okay, this is the way forward, incorporating those ideas. And I think that's, the beauty of diversity and the beauty beauty of inclusion. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great way to, you know, pause, at least for now. Uh, I know that it definitely gives us a lot to think about as educators and how we can, you know, build that uh, inclusivity and diversity going forward. And I really appreciate you being here um, and sharing with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I look forward to hopefully chatting again in the future. I look forward to hearing more podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. All no right. pressure. <laughs> I'm, I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.